we're talking about uh, what it means to discover the heart of God. One of the things that I talked about last week was uh, upon our arrival to this congregation, one of the things that was evident is, uh, and several people said it, is just like we are weary, we're tired. Uh, the thing I said to everyone in a very loving um, way was, welcome to being human. Like, that's just, that's life. Uh, but it, then it seems like on top of that, there's just been compounded things um, that, that we uh, were just tired from. And last week, we discovered an invitation from Jesus to say, why don't you guys just come and rest in me? Like, you don't have to carry that tired and burdensome yoke of life anymore. Your life can look different. So why don't you come to me, the author and perfecter of your faith? Why don't you come to me, uh, the good shepherd, and let's trade burdens? Because my burden is easy and light. And let me take the hard stuff from you. Not that you're going to not walk through hard, but that as you do, my presence will be made known to you. And so we're going to spend, again, the next couple of weeks leading into Advent, discovering the heart of, uh, the heart of God uh, for um, the world, because this stuff isn't only true for us, but then in specific for us, because it's not only true for the world. Like the Bible is, is simultaneously true for the world and true for us. And, and here's what uh, David who uh, David was a man after God's own heart. So if we're going to understand God's heart, let's go to a man that was after God's own heart. And here's what he says. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths that are right for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before, uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the reality about all of us is that we're all on a journey. Like the, the, this thing called life is a journey. And we're all invited into the process. And sometimes that journey is like exhilarating. It's exciting. It's filled with joy and triumph. And you can't wait to share with your friends all of the good stuff that's going on in your life. And then sometimes that life is hard. And it's burdened. And you feel weary. And it's heavy. And you're like, I can't possibly take one more hard thing. But regardless of where your journey has led you up to this point, every single one of us is on a journey. And at some point, you're going to display both of those things. The exhilarating, uh, exciting, fun, joyful parts of the journey and the hard, sorrow-filled parts of the journey. Uh, and, and I would venture to say that at some point in your life, regardless of which end of the spectrum you're on right now, I'd venture to say that at some point you're looking for some sort of guidance for what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to live? What does it mean to live not only just like a, a normal life, but the life that God intended for us? And we're looking for some sort of guidance or direction. That's where I, why I love uh, our, our biblical friend David. 
Because as we look at the whole of David's life, David was not someone who uh, was always on these really high highs or always on these really low lows, but, but lived in the tension between the two. He's this national hero that defeated Goliath, brought up from a shepherd boy. And, and simultaneously, he's this murderer king. He's all of these things mixed in at all of the time. And I think as we look at the portrait, what we realize is he's exactly human-sized. That his his ethic or his morality isn't always the banner of what it should be. uh, But he also knew to turn towards God in the moments where he didn't have it all together. And for me, it shows me that the underlying struggle of being human has not changed. That on some level, what it means to be human uh, means to wrestle in the tension of these two things, to look for guidance inside of the tension of these two things. And David paints a picture for us in Psalm 23 of what it looks like to raise your hand in, in all of this, in the midst of all of this, to raise your hands in surrender and say, God, I need help. So David comes to the table to say life is really hard. And simultaneously, life is really good. And God, I need you. And with that in mind, here's what he pens. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And David starts out by immediately, immediately uh, surrendering and raising up his hands and saying, "Uh, my life is not my own. I have, I have had to surrender to God because I realize that his heart is to shepherd and guide me. And I think he probably used this imagery uh, because it's so akin to his normal life. Like he was raised as a shepherd boy. It's what he did. He was out tending to his flock. Uh, and so he knew what it took to be a shepherd. He's like, the only way that I can possibly put into words how God has acted in my life is that he's a shepherd. He leads me, he guides me, he, he, he keeps me safe, he loves me, he looks after me, he does all of these things. And, and David's saying, and so because God is my shepherd, I'm no longer directing my own paths, I'm no longer living uh, by my own standards, I'm no longer doing my own thing. I've surrendered and submitted myself to God. Because like I said, shepherds guide, they protect, they look out for the interest of, they care for, they defend. And again, this is something David would have known intimately. But keep this in mind. This is not just any shepherd that he's claiming sheephood from. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. So this is not just like any run-of-the-mill wood, clay, or iron god that was created. This is the creator of everything. This is the creator of everything that, uh, that spoke it all into motion, made it all with his breath, and then sustains it to this day. But he's, not a, but he's not a God that spoke it into existence, breathed it with his breath, and then walked away. Because shepherds, uh, by nature, can't just have a flock of sheep and then wander away and hope for the best. You're out in the wilderness, you're out in the desert, there's wild animals, there's thieves, there's all sorts of stuff that can come uh, steal, kill, and destroy. But David's saying, no, the Lord of creation, the God of everything, spoke it into existence and then walks with 
me. He's not a distant God. He's not a God that went off and left us. He's with us. And because of this, because he realizes who his shepherd is, because Yahweh, because the God of creation is his shepherd, he makes the claim, I lack nothing. Which is, which is tough. Because I have been without things before. I have had needs in my life that seemingly have gone unmet. But I think maybe what David is saying here is is directly in contrast to who his shepherd is. Maybe what David is saying here is that because the Lord is my shepherd, what else could I possibly need? We see when we when we paint God's shepherdhood, the Lord as our shepherd, uh, against uh, anything else in the world. Like we, we're invited to have this personal, intimate relationship with the God of creation. What else could we want? Anything that, that begins to fill in that gap uh, severely overestimates the goodness of that given thing. So you, so you can't say in good, in good conscience, in good faith, you can't say, the Lord is my shepherd, but this thing would also be really cool. The Lord is my shepherd, uh, but I really need a new job. The Lord is my shepherd, um, but I really would love to get married at some point. The Lord is my shepherd, uh, but my kid's out of control. The Lord is my shepherd, but you can't fill in the blank because you, uh, you're surrendering to, to the good shepherd, the God of creation, And by definition, God is good. He's good. And so anything in comparison to him just doesn't doesn't measure up. It's never going to get you there. But when you begin to frame your life around the Lord is my shepherd, what else could I possibly need? Like I have a relationship with the, when you walk outside and you see the dirt on the ground, at some point in the cosmos, at some point in the universe, that wasn't there. And the, the, the heavenly being that creates enough power to speak and create things is our shepherd. When you begin to see things through that lens, you begin to go, what else could I need? I just, what, what else could I need? I couldn't need another thing. It reminds me, we were talking... Uh, Dave and Nathan and I were talking this week about um, all of these achievements or accomplishments or whatever. And we, one of the scriptures that was brought to mind for us was Paul talking to the church in Philippi about, uh, like, I count everything as loss. It's worthless. It's trash. It's rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing God. So the Lord is our shepherd. There's nothing else we could possibly need. And then in verse 2, he said, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. And because he's a good shepherd, he knows what's best for us. He knows how to guide and to lead and to, and to correct and to discipline sometimes. And sometimes uh, we feel like we're running a little bit too ragged. We talked about that last week. And sometimes we feel like we're stretched too thin. Uh, but because God knows us, he knows what's best for us. And he says, uh, David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides uh, quiet waters. Uh, but this isn't just like uh, an idyllic scene in a painting for us. This is, this is a place of nourishment. 
You can, you can graze in the pasture and have all that you need. Again, soaking up God's goodness. That you, can, um, that you can get rest. That you don't have to feel like you're running ragged all the time. That's what God is inviting us into as his shepherd. This is a place where God provides sustenance. And a, a place where we say, I just want to be in God's presence. Because he is that good. He goes on to say, he refreshes my soul and he guides me along right past for his name's sake. And inside of this, there's an offering to be restored, to be renewed, to be made new, to, to start anew, to breathe new life or vitality into it. And I'm sure at some point, because this is the human experience, at some point you have just lost like the passion and zeal and excitement for life. Again, Maybe nothing bad happened. Maybe it did. I don't, but at some point, you've probably, uh, like, I don't know. This is all just really, really hard. And I don't want to negate that feeling. I don't, because I've been there. And I think that's a part of this whole human thing that we're living right now. But at the same time, it's inside of that that we don't have to stay there because of who God is. We have the opportunity to have our, our souls, like the deepest parts of us, the part that longs for things, the part that hopes for things, the part that is connected with God, uh, God as our shepherd is offering to restore those for us. And this is what it's like to walk with God. He's our shepherd. He, he leads us. He guides us. He puts us in the places that we need to be. He understands what it's like to temper us and say, well, why don't we just rest? Why don't you just rest in my presence? Well, you don't have to go do. You don't have to go accomplish. You don't have to go like uh, challenge. You don't have to go uh, make a name for yourself. You, you are enough in who I created you to be. So just rest in that where your soul feels renewed in his presence. Now, this sounds really good. He leads us. Uh, into green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. And, and if David stopped right there and that was the human experience, I would be like, yeah, sign me up for that. But he goes on to say, because he's lived life, he says, even though sometimes I walk through the darkest valley, sometimes life is really ugly. Sometimes life is really, really hard. Sometimes life is burdensome. Sometimes I get weary. So sometimes I have to walk through really, really hard things. And even though I'm going to walk through that, I will fear no evil. Why? For you, God, are with me. God's presence is with us. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. So even in the darkest moments of your life, when you feel abandoned and alone, even when you sit alone at night and you can't catch your breath. Even in the moments where you've gotten yourself into a situation where you feel like there is no possible way out. Even when all hope seems lost, when it seems like you've hit rock bottom and you're just like, I don't know what to do. My life has never been harder. My life has never been darker. It's even in those moments that David's saying, I don't have to fear because God is with me. Again, we're looking at everything through the lens of God's goodness. The Lord is our shepherd. What else could I possibly need? The Lord is my shepherd. What else could I possibly need? And when we look at things through this lens, yes, life can get hard, but God is good. 
These two things aren't in contrast to one another. They go hand in hand. And it's in the hard seasons of life. It's in the difficult. It's in the burdensome. It's in the I can't possibly take another breath. I can't possibly go on another day that we get to say that is the moment where we get to experience God's goodness and God's presence in the most real and tangible ways. I will fear no evil because you, God, are with me. You're with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes we get, in ourse- we get ourselves into situations that, uh, uh, that are our own fault. Like Sometimes stuff happens to us, and there's nothing you can do. It's just uh, the sin in the world, sin nature. And sometimes, I'll raise my hand really high on this one, Sometimes you get into situations that are like 110% Jordan Chapel's fault. Or your situation isn't Jordan Chapel's fault. Your situation, if you want to blame me, that's fine. But we get into situations that are our own fault. And a good shepherd leads, guides, does all these things. But a shepherd has a rod and a staff to poke and to prod and to guide and direct and sometimes discipline. Um, and, and David's saying, I'm not fearing those things because I know God's heart. God's heart is to be with me. God's heart is goodness. God's heart is love. And so I don't have to worry about the discipline that comes from God. I don't have to worry about the correction that comes from God because I know who he is. And even though there might be some stuff that is some discipline stuff, there's some stuff I'm walking through right now that I got myself into a messy situation, and uh, there's just some discipline that's going to take to get out of said messy situation. It's not been anybody's fault but my own, uh, but it's just what it takes. And I don't have to fear that discipline. I don't have to fear that correction because I know the heart. God is with us. He didn't uh, go off and abandon us. And again, the thing I want to say Every single person in your life, you look around this room, think about people that have uh, been in your life before, every single person, and I cannot say this emphatically enough, will let you down. Every single person will let you down. You are going to have people in your life that are spiritual giants, that they're leaders, that, they're, that they're, uh, they help guide you, they do all of this stuff for you. And it's like a beautiful relationship. Uh, and they're going to let you down. If nothing else but by nature of, at some point your lives will part. Be that by death, be that by life circumstances. We, I mean, we've walked through this as a, as a body, as a congregation. A pastor that was loved us and poured into us and invested so many years with us, and not by any like he was following the call of God, but our, the ways parted. You might have had a mentor in your life that 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 you loved and pointed you towards God, and, and they parted. Whether I'm here one more week or forty more years, at some point our lives are going to. Uh, it, it, that's just this, that's sin nature. I'm going to die at some point. But guess who will never depart from you? The good shepherd. The good shepherd, God. In the hard, in the broken, in the good, he is the shepherd that will be there for you. And we, that's, that's an unchanging nature that we can rest in. That we don't have to worry about like what, what comes and goes with life. As people come and go, and as seasons come and go, and as situations come and go, that God is constant as the shepherd. 
And he says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so this is more than just walking through hard things. And David invites us to be so confident in God's protection, God's provision, that we can relax and dine, nay, feast in the presence of our enemies. Now, I want to... I want to pause here. I think this is a good teachable moment. The, uh, by nature of following Jesus, we are called to not have enemies. And in fact, I do want to push us a little bit that if when I say, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, if the first thing that pops into your head, now listen, I love you, but if the first thing that pops into your head is you at a four-top table, and you see people's faces that are your enemies at that table. I want us to do a quick pause and, and go, maybe there's something festering inside of us that we need to work through. Maybe, because that's not what Jesus is inviting us into, that, that we have enemies. Maybe if we, if when I say you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you and you just you're instantly um, uh, picturing people there. Maybe it's people that you're really close to that have hurt you in deep ways. We don't have enemies. We got to work through that. Maybe you know what I see a lot of times uh, in in the church. Uh, maybe it's people on the other side of the world that their way of life is different than yours. And they might, they might practice another religion, and, and they might, their skin color might be different, and their language might be different, and all of these things, and, and we love like, oh, how, how dangerous could this possibly get? Who, who hates me? Uh, and, and all of this stuff, and we begin to fill in those blanks. But if, if you are closing your eyes when David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and people made in the image of God are popping into your head. We're just going to do a quick timeout, and I'm going to ask you uh, again. This is all the body life stuff that we work through. We can't have enemies in this place. We can't have enemies outside of this place. That's not the life that God called us to. Time back in. That was a quick aside. We don't have enemies. We're not, we're, this, this is not what we've been asked to do. But I think maybe, instead of people, maybe what David is saying is, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my worst fears. Like the stuff, the stuff that I can't possibly imagine what it looks like uh, to, to walk through. The stuff that keeps you up at night. The stuff that keeps your, your mind turning, your heart racing, your gut spinning. You prepare a table before me uh, in the presence of that, and, and I just, I enjoy it. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And so David's saying, like, I, I, it's not even like you can help me skirt past my enemies while I close my eyes and hold my breath and hope that those, those deepest fears aren't realized. No, he says, you prepare a table before me. Like we get to go down, uh, to go down to the, the deep parts of our souls, the fears that we have, and because of God's goodness, we get to feast in front of those fears. We get to say, God is so good and God is so present in my life that regardless of what can come, I can be so at ease and relaxed 
that I could feast. Because he's actively in our, in our lives, uh, and he's setting us apart with the oil. And he said, David says, my cup overflows. Like, it can't possibly get any better than this. That's how good God is. That inside uh, a table with our enemies, with our deepest fears, inside of all of that, uh, that he's saying, my cup is overflowing. This is too good. All because God is with us. And he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And again, maybe surely is, um, is like, this is going to keep happening, right? Like, this is really, really good, and I don't want this to go anywhere. Now, let me ask you this. Is this a life that sounds appealing to you? One where you have no needs. One where you're able to rest and be restored and find nourishment and hope in, in lush green pastures and beside just quiet waters. One where you're able to be confident in the face of utter and complete darkness. One where you can face with comfort and calmness and just being at ease in, in front of all of your deepest fears. One filled with God's goodness in mercy. And if that sounds like, yeah, I, I, I want that, I think, again, that's the life that David is inviting us into. A life where we have no need because we are content with God because he's enough. We can't possibly need another thing. One, we're able to rest and be restored in these lush green pastures, and we aren't worried or worked up because we find hope in God's sovereignty, that God is ruling and reigning actively, and he's taking care of us so we can finally rest because we don't have to strive anymore. One where we can be confident in the face of darkness because we recognize that God's shepherd staff guides and protects, and, and uh, the presence of a staff indicates the presence of a shepherd. Like there's a shepherd behind that staff. He's with us. He's with us. One where you can face with comfort and calmness all of your deepest fears because we trust that God has set the table for us and is present with us and he is far greater than anything that we could fear. One filled with goodness and mercy because God is goodness and God is mercy and our lives because of following him are filled with those things. They follow us around as we follow God. This isn't like a idyllic, fanciful, wishful life that sounds good but can never be achieved. This is, this is a very real life that God is offering to us. It's at the core of his heart. And all he says is, follow me. Surrender to me. Trust in me. Your good shepherd.